The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We start on a very heavy note. Heavy hearts, another shooting. I was trying to find the tweet, someone putting out, listing every shooting that's happened over the last two months, three months. White supremacist. White supremacist responsible. Responsible for this shooting, a white supremacist. We don't know what's going on. We're going to try to get to the bottom of it, gain some insight from Abe Silverman. But first, we'll talk about this. It was the last day of Passover, one of the holiest days of the year. And now authorities say a person identifying himself as 19-year-old John Ernest posted a long anti-Jewish message online about an hour before the weekend attack at the synagogue in Southern California. One woman was killed, three other were injured, including the rabbi. That gunman walked into that synagogue lobby, opened fire, getting off about 10 or 15 rounds before his gun jammed. Then two congregants chased him out into the street. Now, police caught him. He is in jail this morning, but this community, like so many others, still on edge. We heard from Rabbi Goldstein. He was wounded in Saturday's deadly shooting at that synagogue, and he recalls the moment a doctor fainted after trying to perform CPR on his wife. This is heavy. After the shooter left, this terrorist left, I turn around to assess the situation. And I walk into the lobby and I see Lori laying on the floor unconscious. And her dear husband, Dr. Howard Kay, who's like a brother to me, is trying to resuscitate her and he faints and he's laying there on the floor next to his wife. And then the daughter Hannah comes out screaming, Daddy and Mommy, what's going This is the most heart-wrenching sight I could have seen. That's the rabbi, Rabbi Goldstein from the synagogue in California. Abe Silverman is the Alberta manager of public affairs for B'nai B'rith Canada. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. It's a heavy afternoon. Uh, it seems in my life that every afternoon is a heavy afternoon. It's uh, it's uh, it goes with the territory and the job, unfortunately. And uh, what can I tell you? It's um, it's a way of life uh, that I've chosen for myself in retirement, and uh, and uh, it's uh, what I do. We're we're talking about these shootings, this the stories that have been coming out, the headlines. We'll we'll touch on the Glo- Globe and Mail investigation that's really shedding light on Canada's new far right, this rise of white supremacy, and how emboldened they are to act on their feelings, to to voice their thoughts publicly. Whereas before this was kind of hidden to small communities, living rooms of like-minded people. The internet has now opened this up to a whole new world of, of building these sorts of relationships and kind of normalizing these thoughts. But why we reached out to you is there's a report out this week that says anti-Semitic incidents have hit a record high in 2018. 2,041 cases of anti-Semitic harassment, vandalism, and violence in Canada were reported to your organization. That's that's no small number. No, and it's uh, part of a trend that's been uh, happening for some uh, several years now. We've uh, 
we produce uh, an audit on anti-Semitic incidences every year now for the last 37 years. And uh, uh, it seems uh, pretty clear from these audits that uh, anti-Semitic anti-Semitic incidents this uh, climb year after year. It's uh, it's uh, part of our life. Has it always been a part of our life, though, Abe? And maybe now people are just feeling more like they need to speak out and and raise the alarm when these things are happening. Have these numbers maybe not as dramatically increased as we see them? It's just people are now speaking out. Well, uh, uh, you know, over the last uh, uh, five years, the increases in Canada have averaged about 16, 17 percent. So uh, there's no doubt that the awareness because of social media and, of course, the perpetuating of uh, racism and anti-Semitism, racism of all kinds, of course, uh, can be uh, directly linked to the internet and uh, and the platform that the internet gives the the racists and uh, and yes uh, we uh, we're very much uh, more aware of all of these incidences now that uh, we have all of these uh, wonderful ways to communicate with one another but at the same time providing for those who uh, who uh, have ill will towards others, they also are able to communicate their their, uh, their hatred and their biases and their uh, and their anti-Semitism. And uh, and you should know that. Um, and I hope your audience understands that we Jews are the canary in the coal mine. They they do come for us first, but then then it's everybody else after. So, uh, you know, it's it, it, when we talk about anti-Semitism, we can't talk about anti-Semitism as though it's only a Jewish problem. It is a, it's a world problem, an international problem, and that it's the world's oldest uh, form of racism. Speaking the way you are, you're acting like this is kind of so matter of fact. This is the reality that you're dealing with. Are are these the kind of conversations that you're speaking with among your community members? Is is there fear right now? Is is there real discomfort? So the answer to your question is that, yes, the communities are concerned, but we don't let that concern... uh, cripple us in any way or impede our ability to live uh, our lives normally. We refuse to give in uh, to that kind of fear and to that kind of int- intimidation because once we start doing that, then the uh, the terrorists win. So you'll find that our Jewish communities, even though we do take our precautions and we do have regular conversations about uh, anti-Semitism, and this has been going on uh, in my life uh, since uh, uh, since the Holocaust, uh, where uh, where I uh, spent the first two years of my life in a in a Jewish ghetto, where uh, where uh, uh, where over half of the Jewish population in the city where I grew up were were decimated by the uh, by the Nazis. So yeah, it's uh, you know I've lived with this all of my life, and I don't see what's happening now as being especially different than what's been going on forever. The Globe and Mail just released 
a, a massive, massive analysis of 150,000 chat room messages that they say paints a picture of a group that is actively recruiting new members, buying weapons, and trying to influence political parties. It's yes. a far white, gr- uh, a far right group, and yes. and they're talking. They, they speak as though they're gamers. They're using a gamer chat room. Uh, they're they're saying they're video game enthusiasts. But a lot of the conversations, and you can actually just read through the raw chat. It's them denying the Holocaust and talking about how early on this is this is kids that were in their junior high years, in high school years, saying they did their own research and they've discovered the lies that have been spread through the curriculum. As someone who's lived this reality, what does this mean to you that there's there's this movement and it's coming from a, a, a youthful group? Well, what it tells me is that we're doing a poor job of educating our youth. Uh, there's studies uh, that's been done in uh, in Europe, CNN recently came up with a study that shows that uh, uh, that something like 60% of uh, high school students in the United States uh, don't know anything about the Holocaust. In Europe, I think the numbers are even larger. I, I don't remember the, the the exact numbers, but they were uh, quite dramatic. So uh, it's obvious that we, as a society, don't do uh, uh, we don't do uh, the job well enough to inform our children so they don't uh, they don't uh, find themselves uh, buying into and accepting this garbage that uh, that they're exposed to on the on social media and and our children today spend so much of their time on social media so it's very easy for them to be influenced so we have to fight that battle and we have to do so by going into the schools uh, into our places of worship and uh, we have to push back against these uh, these uh, uh, monsters they are monsters because what they're advocating in fact is uh, the, um, the the mass execution of, uh, of of people who are different than they are when you talk about social media and and the freedom right now, and there's there's been a huge push for Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to shut these accounts down, and we are seeing them crack down on voices like Faith Goldie, who pushes white supremacy. The, she yes. has a far right agenda. But then I saw another tweet out today begging at Jack, the founder of Twitter to please put the same safeguards on these accounts that are pushing these agendas as he is right now on protecting Game of Thrones spoilers. There's certainly uh, some different priorities in action right now. <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, these platforms uh, have their own agendas and, they're, uh, and uh, often they have to answer to... Uh, the shareholders and the profits and what have you. So they, they of course, have their priorities, but that uh, doesn't in any way uh, mean that we should be impeded by uh, 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 by those priorities and in, in, uh, in having conversations with them and hopefully convincing them that uh, in order for us to to maintain some some degree of uh, sensibility and civility in our societies, we we can't do it without their help. They're going to have to help us uh, by uh, 
being more diligent in the way they uh, look at this, uh, so much of these postings on their on their platforms and get them to remove them. And I know that uh, from what I read, I know that they, there is a, a huge effort to do that, and I hope that one day we'll be able to open up our devices and see uh, see little or no uh, none of these uh, these. Uh, awful, awful uh, tweets and Instagrams and Facebooks, messages and whatever. It's awful. And, I mean, I, I fear for my uh, for my grandchildren and, and the stuff that they're exposed to and everybody else's children and grandchildren. I, I'm really not sure where we're going uh, with all of this, but uh, we do need to uh, we need to take the power back. We need, we as a, as a society and a species have to regain the power. Abe, thank you for your time this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kelsey. That's Abe Silverman. He's the Alberta Manager of Public Affairs with B'nai B'rith Canada.